There is nothing wrong with your podcast player. Do not attempt to adjust the audio. We are controlling transmission. If we wish to make it louder, we will bring up the volume. If we wish to make it softer, we will tune it to a whisper. We will control the information. We will control the jokes. We can change the sound to a ka-ching or to something completely silly. For the next hour, sit quietly and we will control all that you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your podcast player. You are about to participate in a great adventure. You are about to experience the awe and mystery which reaches from the inner mind to the outer limits of a sponsored Crypto Spotlight edition of the Bad Crypto Podcast. The six T's of ICO's Tech Timeline Team Tokenomics Traction and Tribe. Those are the some of the things we talk about as we interview those that are launching blockchain projects on this promoted edition of the Bad Crypto Podcast. And welcome to the show. I'm here. I'm Joel Com, and Travis Wright is the seventh T in That's true. <laughs> the seven T's of ICO. Got to remember Travis. Don't forget, Travis. How, how you doing, bud? Uh, man, it's been a beautiful day, and uh, we have we have been pretty busy today. We have had a lot of interviews today. That's one thing that's interesting is like people hear the show when it comes out, it's live. But then like we have some days where like we're doing seven, eight different interviews or conversations during the day, and then Joel or Lynn we're making the fronts and the backs of the episodes. So we can have some days where we're talking a ton, and today was one of those days where we just chatted it up. Yeah, and I'll let you guys know now that in the near future, you're going to hear interviews with some real superstars, including Ashley Scorpio, Philip Nunn, and Miko Matsumura. The, all great interviews, lots of content, lots of fun. Uh, so you need to watch out for those episodes coming to a podcast player near you soon. Mm, yes, this is the Bad Crypto Podcast we have fun over here at the Bad Crypto Podcast. I don't know if you guys know this. After like 200 plus recordings, we like to joke around, like to have fun. But we also like to talk about really cool, innovative projects, right? Like emerging technologies are really cool. And the, the, the projects that are being built on blockchain are completely fascinating to us. Um, actually, I got a I got a book here from – we're going to have another future interview we're having here in the future uh, because it's going to be in the future. In the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's called The Fourth Age, and this is about smart robots, conscious computers, and the future of humanity by Byron Reese. They sent the book out to me. I'm going to take a look at it. We're going to we're gonna have him on the show, dude, talking about how blockchain and some of this other stuff is because we're entering into an interesting age, and there are some really cool stuff that's going on. A lot of people are trying to come up with solutions that make the world a better place and doing some cool stuff. And today we have three such companies, Mr. Joel Com. We do. We've got Benchmark. And, you know, listen, sometimes you got to uh, stick with us as we're interviewing these guys. Like in this first interview with Benchmark, I was trying to figure out exactly what was going on. And then the light went on. I'm like, oh, I I get it. And, and so um, what they're doing is helping set up a new way to explore um, investing in various projects using blockchain. And I kind of I likened it to Start Engine because um, we had we had Howard Marks on here previously to talk about that. Only they're doing some different things. And then we've got Puma Pay. Um, these guys have already raised 117 million in private sale. 117 million. Yeah. Yeah. Huge. Wow. And fi- and finally, uh, you know, science needs to be blockchain for a number of reasons. And we've got folks from Project Iyer. That are coming on, and if you're a StarCraft fan, mm-hmm. then you might recognize what Ayer is, and if not, okay. you will find out. And Anita, she was brilliant. Awesome chatting with her. They're doing some really cool stuff over there at Project Ayer, and uh, basically with scientific knowledge and how that's distributed amongst the medical community for innovation. Uh, wow, good stuff, man. We got some good stuff today. 
Mm-hmm. Being a sponsored show, that means all of the companies you're going to hear from have been vetted by our team to make sure that what we think they're doing is legitimate. But of course, we're not financial advisors and, you know, we are we will never uh, invite you to invest in these or any tokens ever. We don't make any recommendations. I don't even make a recommendation to Travis. I say, you know, do your own research mm-hmm. and he invest says, in your He says, go look on Yelp, is what he said. Yeah. <laughs> but let let you guys know, full disclosure, again, we are being compensated for today's interviews. That's what makes this sponsored. And that this weekly episode is what supports the Bad Crypto Podcast and our ever-growing team. In fact, in the matter of just a year, we grew from Travis and I just, you know, hey, let's put on a show, kids, to having, what, 11, 12 people that support this show Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and one that, person just goes out is responsible for making sure Mr. Joel Com has green M&Ms. <laughs> like, he's like, get out there and get me my M&Ms now. Pick them out. I want them. <laughs> uh, I love that joke. And what's so funny is that you don't even like M&Ms. No, not really. But you gave me some for our birthday party. And, and I appreciate that. And, and the truth have you be worn told, the socks yet? Have you worn the socks? I have not worn the socks yet. But they are, Those are they, really fucking ugly socks. No, they're, they're awesome. It's just that it's summer. And I you know, wear shorts and flip flops or That's slip-ons. So those you know, green, so. that green M M&M and M socks, though, those are pretty hilarious. I will be wearing them. I promise you that I will. So, so we've fun. got these three interviews ahead. Let's go ahead and go to the outer limits of the inner mind of the bad Cryptopia Ooh, Republic place that we live. Here we go. So many solutions that we are seeing come out on the blockchain, each one of them seeking to solve a different problem. And of course, we love to hear about these solutions. With us today, we have Peter Kotzer. Peter is a CEO with Benchmark. It's benchmarktoken.io. They claim to be the venture token, setting the standard for integrating the new economy with proven business models. And Peter, welcome to Bad Crypto. Thank you. My pleasure to be here. Tell us, what uh, what problem is Benchmark seeking to solve? We say we are a real business uh, created by real people solving real problems. Our focus is in the first place on creating opportunities for people to um, enjoy the benefits of the new economy And anybody with $50 can step up to the plate and gain access to things that were previously held back for only the really rich folk. Um, Our focus is in the first place on fintech, on providing fintech solutions that anybody can access. And then also we have a strong sense of responsibility for the planet and we want to have people enjoy the benefits of the green technologies that have become available in recycling and also in a variety of um, uh, re- uh, issues where um, the um, blockchain can be of great value, such as in uh, creating opportunities in um, the uh, larger areas where uh, people can enjoy the benefit of um, uh, new uh, water recycling and other ben- and other areas. Very interesting. So the benchmark platform, you are basically creating, uh, you're creating a crypt- the benchmark crypto exchange, the benchmark hedge fund, bench- benchmark uh, venture capital, benchmark investment banking services, and the blockchain business incubator. So you're combining all of those areas into one blockchain platform? That is correct, yes. And we have a team of 20 folks uh, who've got over 500 years experience together to help us. They're really old people. Yeah, (laughs) we are. Some of us are quite old, but then some of us are very young as well. And there's a very nice mix of us in that team. So explain to us a little bit about how the benchmark platform works. Um, The uh, benchmark token is a utility token, but also a payment token. So um, for example, let's take our 
recycling product where we will um, uh, have the um, material recycling facility where people will bring their trash to us rather than take it to the landfill. Um, they will then pay us um, in uh, rands or in dollars or whatever the case may be. Uh, we would then uh, sort the material into that which can be recycled. And that has become quite an advanced technology, actually. We will then recycle back to manufacturers and they will take less stuff out of the ground and less stuff out of oil. Um, then we will secondly use the benchmark token to pay for that wherever possible. We will pay our people in benchmark tokens. They will then have a debit card through which they can convert into whatever currency they wish. We will also have a um, an ATM on site that they can use. In the other areas, we will be manufacturing building materials, green building materials, and there are a number of very interesting inventions there that we are employing. We will be owning a cement factory that will you that we will use to create um, gas baton uh, on site. Actually, you for example have a large building site where you'll have a couple of hundred units that you'll be putting up and you will make your building material on site and that will have very high <coughs> green um, factors for um, making sure that we get uh, the best uh, uh, what they call leads factors to uh, create uh, a, a safe environment. Uh, that will then uh, be used um, to, and where we will buy the cement, for example, we will use the benchmark token and we will encourage our suppliers to use triple entry accounting. We will then open accounts for them in the benchmark trading exchange. They can then come and exchange their uh, benchmarks for whatever uh, uh, currency they wish. They could also then exchange it there for dollars or rands as the case may be, and in that way get the benefit of um, both, on the one hand, the cryptocurrency, and we will create our own um, ecosystem in which this will all be put together. So I have a question then right here, because you guys are basically billing yourselves as the venture token. So you are setting, you're creating this new business model to help new ventures and you talk about how your solution is basically um, you, you have a skilled team of venture capital and business and financing experts that you are assessing viability of projects. So people are bringing projects to you and then you are helping provide uh, a solution for these sustainable type projects. Is that is that kind of how that's is that how you're set up? Because it sounds to me like you, you got a lot of stuff going on here, right? You got the, the exchange, the hedge fund, the venture capital, this, the different thing and the business incubator. And so when it comes down to it, really, you are a venture token that's helping sustainable projects gain funding. Is that a, a correct assessment? That is correct. And we will, for each of these projects, then uh, do a prospectus where it is required. And we will, with the benchmark venture token, underwrite the prospectus um, so that they can then go ahead and um, where necessary, raise the funds. Uh, we would do it in terms of the existing law with what would then be a security token for that particular project. But that would then be underwritten with the benchmark token. Mm. Okay, so where are you guys now in developing this platform? Is there a, a functional beta yet? Or have you launched? Or if not, when will we start to see uh, the platform? The, the first uh, um, ex trading exchange will be released in South Africa on the 1st of September and on the 1st of September, October in Malta. Uh, we are in the application process in Canada because uh, there are, there's already a regulatory environment for these in Canada. Uh, we are also in the process of establishing uh, with our partners in Nigeria and in Ghana. Uh, so that is on the way. The um, 
process for the hedge fund is also on the go. We have filed our initial documents in Malta to under the new regime that is very exciting over there where Malta, as you probably know, have now got a full suite of compliance issues for uh, using cryptocurrencies to establish a hedge fund, and that is in process as well. We are um, we have land in Ghana. We have land in South Africa uh, where we will be uh, building um, new um, retirement villages. In South Africa, there's a very interesting social issue happening in that uh, the traditional extended black family is is no longer there uh, as much as it was before, where the old folks were taken care of by the new generation. The old folks now have to find other ways of getting their retirement fixed, and we are building communities for them using green materials and green processes. Uh, we have a cement factory that will be providing for the retirement uh, building materials, and we have acquired land in various places. We also have signed agreements to acquire land in um, Johannesburg, where we will do the first uh, of 35 recycling facilities. Um, and we will then <clears throat> use the building materials that we're creating for that purpose as well. So, yeah, we have a number of things already on the go. So I'm a little confused because it sounds to me like there's so much going on with this. Uh, you just mentioned you have a, a concrete factory, uh, a recycle, you're going to build these recycling plants. Now you're building old folks homes in Africa. Like, Where's the continuity on this? And then how does the roadmap look? Because you guys are building all kinds of these different financial products. And then you have all these other different projects. Did, did you really, does it need to be on the blockchain? Why does it need to be on the blockchain for one? And what was the methodology or the thought process behind that? Because it seems to me there's so much going on. I'm scared that you're going to confuse a lot of people with, with what you're trying to do, because there's so much going on that you can't really Travis, put a finger see, on. That's why you will have individual companies uh, that will issue their own um, security token offerings in which they will be doing these. Um, so the, uh, the um, benchmark uh, token that we are issuing will be there to establish the basis through which we have the cash to then do these individual projects. Um, in looking at it from the point of view of the investor, they would first of all say, well, the benchmark token is a um, means through which they can get access to the individual projects because you're not going to be able to get a prospectus without first putting down some benchmark tokens. That's what they are there for. You can then cherry pick which project you like and which project you do not like. Now, so you're you're actually you let me let me clarify here. Yeah. You're kind of trying to equalize, uh, you know, the accessibility to investing in various projects for regular people rather than just traditional investors. That's correct. Yes, that's correct. Mm. And and the way we're doing that is to say that hey, bring your $50 and now you can participate in this. Okay, if you only have a couple of hundred dollars, that's fine too. Because as you know, uh, there are a number of restrictions in the existing areas where people are saying, well, if you're not an accredited investor, you can't play with. We are saying, yeah, that's fine for as far as it goes. But there are also places where you should be able to participate with a smaller amount of money. And, and, and if you're holding the BMK tokens uh, on the benchmark token, then you have that accessibility. That's what you're saying? That is correct, yes. And we are, of course, also um, uh, having as investors uh, your traditional um, – larger investor pool, which are also coming in. And that's fine. That's good. We want them there because ultimately 
you need uh, their money as well. But you're not excluding the small folks in the process. You have been building this out. Is this on like the Ethereum blockchain? Are you building your own blockchain? What exactly is the underlying technology behind? No, it's your all project? on the Ethereum blockchain. Uh, ERC twenty to, uh, twenty tokens that are used at every stage of the process. Um, and for the individual ones, it might actually happen that we could use a different blockchain in future on a on a different one because that's. The reason for the blockchain is, for example, um, let me give you um, in the fintech area an example where um, we would, with the venture capital part, um, have people who would come to us who at the moment have to pay up to 20% per month for their funding. And it's my dream to put those buggers out of business and be able to lend to people mm. who can not afford those kinds and should not pay those kinds of rates, the sort of rates where they can come in for a smaller amount of money and they can pay regular interest rates, what other folks would be paying. And you do you achieve that because your costs get cut down considerably through a peer-to-peer -peer lending process, which you can do with the blockchain, which otherwise would not be possible because you would need an acre of clerks, which you won't need in a case like this. Great stuff. So is there any other things that um, you would like our audience to know about the benchmark token? Uh, there it's benchmarktoken.io. Um, what else uh, would you like our audience to know about the project? One of the big problems that we find in Africa is that um, there's not enough capital to uh, pay for large-scale uh, power generation. And at the same time, we have huge mountains of trash, and it's as bad in India where we're also focusing on this, and we are negotiating with a major partner there as well. So we are announcing a $75 million offering um, that we will do in the United States, in Europe, and in um Asia, and there we are going to do it in compliance with the regulation. But because of the blockchain structure, we can then issue a, a security token that um, we will be able to raise funds with for all of um, these projects. And they will, and in, in a city like Lusaka in Zambia, which is about five hours of power a day, through this process, we will, they, will, they won't have the need for another landfill. They can then also generate nine to 10 hours of power a day for all the people living there. The same is a problem here in the Cape Town area, uh, where we have um, now people are forced to take their trash 120 kilometers. What's that? About 70 miles from the city. Um, and uh, we've got very high transportation costs and so on. We resolve all those problems by not having to build another landfill because we recycle 50% um, of the trash and the other 50% we burn and thereby create a whole new world uh, and solve a major problem that will only get bigger as the population increases. Mm. This is a really ambitious project, and I encourage you guys to go check out the website at benchmarktoken.io. The uh, token sale is live as of right now. You can check out how to uh, to play if that is your thing, and lots of other information on the website, including uh, the team, their roadmap, some other resources you can check out. And it looks like uh, for community, you are encouraging people to join your Telegram. Is that right, Peter? That is correct, yes. Excellent. Well, thanks so much for joining and sharing this project with, uh, with our listeners, and we wish you the very best. Thank you very much, and thank you for having me. We talk a lot about how essential it is for crypto to become easy to spend on the consumer side and receive on the merchant side in order for it to go really mainstream. And we have with us a gentleman that intends to make that happen. His name is Yoav Dror. He is the CEO with Puma Pay. That's pumapay.io. And they have 
claimed to develop an advanced billing infrastructure for merchants, allowing them to design flexible payment scenarios over the blockchain. And welcome to Bad Crypto, Yoav. Thank you very much. Nice, uh, having, nice being here. Where are you joining us from? I'm from Cyprus. Ah, nice. So a place that I intend to visit one of these days. So maybe we'll get to face-to-face sometime in the future. A place where probably most of our audience has no idea where that is. (laughs) (laughs) An island in the Mediterranean, just uh, south of uh, Turkey. Nice. Well... So, you know, as I started off here saying that in order for crypto to get mainstream, we need easy to use applications. So why don't you talk a little bit about that problem in the crypto marketplace? Yeah. So uh, the way we envisioned uh, PumaPay, actually PumaPay comes uh, from a need, uh, from a need of merchants uh, to be able to process uh, crypto transactions. And even more fundamental than that, uh, to deal with the inefficiencies of uh, credit card payments. So my background is in the in a, a high transaction volume, uh, high uh, processing, uh, high risk industries online. And uh, when the blockchain revolution came about, about uh, a year ago, uh, we try to see how we can utilize it in our uh, business. And eventually we realize that no matter how you, how you look at, uh, at uh, online businesses, uh, whether it's a, a, a e-commerce or adult entertainment or gaming or forex or whatever, eventually you end up with a, an engine of uh, payment processing. Uh, and there are a lot of things that you can do with this engine, but but this engine currently runs on credit cards, and this is very uh, inefficient. It works, but it doesn't work uh, very good. And from a merchant pain, uh, from a merchant's uh, point of view, there are a lot of pains associated with uh, credit cards, such as uh, uh, high uh, transaction fees, such as a uh, slow uh, settlement time. And the chargebacks, which uh, for those of you who are not familiar, is the, when a customer decides to uh, call his bank and say, I didn't do the transaction, I want my money back. And the bank simply takes the money from the merchant's uh, account and give it back to the customer. I hate when that happens. And not only that, it takes several seconds longer to process your transaction because it used to be just a swipe and boop, there it went. Now you got to put in with the chip and it takes longer. We've actually found a way to increase the transaction time. (laughs) Yeah, correct. I agree. So there are all these uh, 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 pains and inefficiencies. And and we realize that the blockchain technology holds the potential to solve many of these uh, inefficiencies, but still uh, uh, at its current state, or at least at at the state that it was a year ago, uh, it, it couldn't solve it by itself. Uh, 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 blockchain technology or uh, uh, cryptocurrencies like uh, Bitcoin or uh, Ether or, or even uh, uh, Litecoin or uh, Bitcoin Cash, they, can, they, they are not uh, a very good uh, means of payment for daily payments. Like imagine going to a coffee shop and, and trying to buy a coffee with uh, Bitcoin. That, that doesn't make a lot of sense. It will take forever to to settle and the the transaction itself will cost more than the coffee. And on top of that, we saw that uh, all the uh, cryptocurrencies in existence, they offer only one type of transaction. And this is the simple uh, send, simple push transaction, where you uh, uh, put in an address of the recipient and you send the funds to him. And this is not exactly how the world works, especially not online. There are many other payment practices that are very common uh, in, uh, in our daily lives, but uh, are more sophisticated or more flexible than this simple uh, push transaction. And our goal at PumaPay is to bring together the advantages of the blockchain together with the uh, flexibility and the ease of use of credit cards. Very nice. Now you talk about this PumaPay 
pull payment protocol in your white paper. And you talk about how this is using both on-chain and off-chain components. Could you maybe describe your technology and your vision around your pull payment protocol? Sure. So continuing uh, uh, where I uh, just uh, left off, uh, one of the uh, unique innovations that we bring at uh, uh, is the inversion of the mechanic uh, of the crypto transaction. So we create a, a quite unique architecture of smart contracts that enables us to uh, uh, create the pool payment, which is a, an authorization for a merchant to pull funds from the user uh, wallet. And this is, uh, of course, subject to pre-approved terms and conditions uh, by the user. And this opens the door to all these payment uh, methods that are currently not possible on the blockchain, like recurring payments and uh, direct debit and paper use, paper uh, view, etc. Uh, so, and, and we do it through a, a unique architecture of smart contracts. This, this is the uh, on-chain components. Off-chain, this is where the uh, simplicity and ease of use uh, 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 come to play, and we create our wallet, wallet app that supports all these payment mechanics, and also an SDK and API for uh, merchants to integrate with the protocol uh, with ease and without pains, hopefully. Uh, you guys are having an ICO, and you've already raised, according to your website, over $117 million. Is that right? That is correct. Our ICO, uh, our private sale was over on uh, May 7th, exactly three months ago, uh, and there was no uh, public sale. So the ICO is uh, behind us. Okay, so there won't be any public sale? No. Uh, Dan, let's talk about the technology then, because it seems like the wallet is a you know a big part of what you're doing. Where are you at with the development of that wallet? So we've already released the first version of the of the protocol, which is uh, the wallet app and a simple version of the SDK, and this is to support the. Very, the, the only the primitive or, or uh, um, basic transaction type, which is the push transaction. So currently any merchant can uh, go to our uh, website and integrate with the protocol and accept PMA tokens as a means of payment, but only uh, in push. Uh, we are about to release, and I would say, let's say within uh, four to six weeks, we're about to release the version two of our protocol, which will allow for the first time recurrent payments on the Ethereum network. And of course, we will also release an update to the uh, wallet app, which will support all these uh, uh, mechanics. And we'll have a better uh, look and feel uh, um, and some uh, more uh, features. Later on uh, this year, we plan to add uh, direct funding from the wallet using credit cards or uh, uh, bank wire transfers. So anyone can buy PMA tokens directly from the wallet. Uh, thereafter, we will add the option to convert uh, any crypto to any crypto. We will also add the ability to store uh, uh, Bitcoin and the other popular uh, currencies and perhaps even uh, some fiat currencies. You mentioned you're going to be able to do recurring payments. Nobody's been able to do that on, on crypto so far from our knowledge. I've not heard of anybody being able to do that. Now, are you doing that on a direct debit from a credit card that's attached to a crypto? Or are you doing that just pulling from their wallet? How exactly does that work? We're doing it directly from the wallet. We want to, if, if I want to put, to put it you know, in one sentence, PumaPay is to crypto uh, what credit cards are to cash. So we want to bring all this uh, flexibility to crypto. So obviously the, the charges are uh, on the crypto wallet, not to the credit card. You can fund your wallet. You can buy PMA tokens with a credit card. But uh, once you have the PMA tokens, 
and you subscribe, let's say, to a magazine that charges uh, uh, in PMA tokens, they will charge you in PMA tokens. They will charge directly your PMA uh, account. So if you don't have the payment tokens, will it charge your credit card for those tokens? Well, this depends on the implementation and on the settings. We are currently looking into various uh, ways of doing this. And uh, there might be uh, one solution where the user can give uh, an authorization on the app to charge his uh, credit card in case he doesn't have enough uh, payment. Because we're training people, but, right? The, you know, the first step is making it frictionless for people to buy crypto, and you're allowing that by by letting them do fiat. Uh, and I think once people are trained that, oh, this is how I now pay, then we won't need to be buying with fiat. Eventually, that need will go away, right? Hopefully, on the long run, yes, you're right. That's great. Now, I notice you have some pretty big partners already. And I, well, you know, I, I noticed just from looking through some of the partners that you have, it looks like some of the adult industry is sort of picking up your payments, which would make sense because the, the adult industry sort of always adopts these newer technologies sooner than a lot of companies. And especially if you're able to do recurring payments on the blockchain and with crypto. That makes sense. You have a lot of partners on on your website there. I noticed with your Puma Pay ecosystem. All right, so let's let's talk a little bit about your team. Uh, you know, so what makes your guys' team so exceptional to be able to pull off something as big as this? Well, uh, we handpicked our uh, uh, team our team in order to be able to deal with this challenge, and there are a lot of challenges here. And uh, our CTO has uh, many years in the payment industry, payment processing, worked for uh, Visa and MasterCard. And our uh, chief uh, blockchain architect and uh, head of uh, development, he worked uh, for several several years for IBM in Europe, uh, developing on uh, blockchain. And uh, all the all the rest of the team are uh, also with the appropriate break- background to to uh, meet the challenges ahead. Well, okay. thanks for that. Uh, let us know then, what else would you like our listeners to know about Puma Pay? So I would like to speak uh, a little bit about uh, our uh, strategy. Uh, as uh, Travis correctly mentioned, we have a lot of uh, partners already that have uh, uh, signed an agreement and stated that they are going to uh, accept the PMA tokens as a means of payment once the protocol is uh, launched. And we currently have around uh, 50 plus of them. And we plan by the time we launch the protocol, which is scheduled to be Q1 2019, we plan to have uh, more than 250 of them. Uh, And you correctly observed that a lot of uh, our uh, early adopters are coming from the uh, adult entertainment sector. And we indeed see it as a very good signal uh, as the adult entertainment sector is indeed an early adopter of new technologies. We wouldn't have uh, the VCR or online payments in general if it wasn't for the adult uh, sector. Uh, but we're successful not only there, but in other sectors as well, uh, also offline, not only online. Uh, we're working with big brands like uh, Fashion TV and uh, also uh, Rent24, which is a very large uh, office network in uh, Europe where you can uh, rent an office. They're the direct competitors of WeWork in uh, Europe, and they already said that they will accept uh, rent payments from their customers with PMA tokens. And I think this is a, this is great news. And we're working very, very hard uh, currently on, on two directions. First of all, the development of the protocol itself, the technology. But we know that, uh, you know, you, you may have the, the best uh, product and the best technology, but if there's no uh, uh, usage, if there, no one is using it, then it's worthless. So we're working just as hard on the business development and bringing more and more companies that will accept the the protocol once it is well, launched. Well, this, uh, this looks like you guys are going to be seriously disruptive, and, and we wish you the best with it. Where are you inviting people to join you online for your community? So the best uh, channel is our uh, Telegram group, uh, which you have a link for uh, on our website on pumapay.io. 
And this is where we uh, release our uh, news to the community, first there, then uh, on our website. And there are going to be some very exciting news in the coming uh, days and weeks, uh, both uh, uh, mostly about uh, some major new uh, early adopters that we're going to, to announce. Excellent. Yo, I've drawer. CEO of PumaPay, PumaPay.io. You guys can check out the white paper and all the content on their website. And best of luck to you, Yoab. Thank you very much, and thank you for having me. Mr. Travis Wright, your science is broken. Mm, weird science. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> that was a great film. That was a John Hughes classic. That was. Uh, here's a piece of trivia for you you might not know. Uh, I went to Glenbrook North High School in Northbrook, Illinois, and that's where John Hughes went. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Actually, he, uh, he all the movies that he filmed were based on the um, the schools that, that we went to. So, the so you are Club, sort of like an honorary Breakfast Club member. I am an honorary Breakfast Club member. I was the Anthony Michael Hall um, nerd in that film. Was and, and or still is? Still are. Still are. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Once a nerd, always a nerd. Uh, speaking of nerds, we have some with us today, but they're cool nerds because the geeks shall inherit the earth. And your science might not be broken, but there's certainly some serious issues in the science space. And Project Iyer intends to fix that. We're going to find out how, and we'll welcome to the show the CEO, Anita Schonbried which I know I pronounced wrong, and Victor Botef, the uh, CTO, Project Ayer. It's spelled A-I-U-R.com. And Anita and Victor, welcome to Bad Crypto. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much. We're, we're glad that you are here. So let, let's start with the obvious. Why Project Ayer, A-I-U-R, because that doesn't exactly roll off the tongue and you have to spell it for people. So it must have meaning. It must mean science or something. (laughs) Something like that. You know, that is what happened when you have a bunch of StarCraft geeks on your team and you put the the project name up to a Democratic vote. Simple as that. Uh, What is Ayer? So I'll let let Victor explain this one as I am not a StarCraft uh, geek myself. Yeah, so StarCraft is a space game, and Ayer is the home planet of the Protoss race. And they're like the uh, most advanced species in the universe. So Yes. Ooh, the most advanced in the universe. Very nice. Mm-hmm. That's kind of science-y. Mm-hmm. Sort of. Okay, so I'm not exactly sure, you know, how you're going to fix science, but uh, your website says you're going to democratize science through blockchain-enabled disintermediation. So what's broken in science that you can fix? Um, a number of things. And I think that the easiest way is is with a little kind of uh, simple illustration. So I am of the firm belief that Satoshi cannot possibly have been an academic hired at an academic institution, because if she was, she would have to publish her paper in a tier one academic journal to get the right points to get her next round of funding to actually keep her job. So that is the incentive structure today. Um, The fact that it was published openly in a crypto newsletter kind of shows that she wasn't. And and the problem, if if she had been an academic and published in in the, the kind of the big journals, is that... Um, that paper, first of all, it would take you about 18 months or so to get it published. It would be in a little bit delay. It would also cost 30 bucks, which isn't all that much, except who pays 30 bucks to access something they don't know what is that has randomly popped up in their email inbox. Box. No one, right? So had Satoshi been an academic, there would be no such thing as the blockchain space today. Very interesting. I think you're the very first person that we've had on the show who has called Satoshi uh, a, a female. I've always thought that Satoshi was a group of people. It seemed to me like uh, um, sort of from, from doing the analysis on that. Now, I want to ask this. So so my sister is actually a PhD. She is a genetic biologist and uh, has a PhD. She works uh, at the University of Baylor doing some really cool stuff. And, uh, and so she has had some comments about how how um, like research and stuff is kind of a challenge and you got to do all kinds of different things whenever you're, you're a PhD for one, just to even become a PhD. And then after you're done your research, there's all these different hoops and stuff you have to jump through. Um, and so I want to ask, I want to ask about this. So, so you guys actually founded iris.ai at the NASA Ames research park back in uh, 2015. What is, what is the connection between project error and iris.ai? 
Yeah, so Iris is the uh, the company behind the the blockchain project, Project Ayer, uh, and we've been running Iris for for three years. Uh, we started out so there's a number of problems in the kind of the academic publishing. You know, it's it's not just enough that it's it's hard to be an academic or a researcher, uh, but there's also a lot of problems in the industry at large. There's an information overload. Like we publish three thousand articles every single day, we can't you know we can't get on top of that. Um, there is I read a, them a, all, no, by the way. I read every one of them today. Congratulations. Yeah. Good, good, yeah, good work. You're very prepared for the show today. Which I am. Yeah. So impressed. Right. And then, you know, there's biases in the citation system. There is, uh, you know, there is, there's a major reproducibility issues in this. And there's these access issues, right? You, as I said, you know, the Satoshi paper would cost about 30 bucks. You know, an average UK university spends 4 million British pounds a year on accessing research that, has already been paid for by tax money once already. So there's all of these all of these issues. And when we started our company three years ago, we decided to tackle the first problem, which is this information overload. So we've built a suite of AI tools that, that helps researchers be much more efficient in the early stage of their research process. So what's called a literature review or figuring out what other people have done before um, said easily. Uh, and we, you know, we ran that company for three years and we found ourselves last summer in a situation where we're like, you know what, selling B2B software to large corporate enterprises just isn't going to change the world. It isn't going to change this industry. Surprise. Um, so that's when the idea for Project Ire was was born and seeing that, you know, with the kind of blossoming and explosion rather in, in the blockchain space and seeing kind of practical application come to life, we realized that we... Um, you know, had the opportunity to actually build a new incentive structure from scratch uh, in this field. Well, you know, one of the beautiful things about blockchain is eliminating eliminating double payments. And in your materials, you talk about how the current system of academic publishing is really unfair because taxpayers are being charged up to four times for that yep. same information. Yep, that is correct. So when the research is produced, because, you know, a lot of research will be tax money funded, uh, when it is peer reviewed, because the publishing houses gets, you know, people to do this for free, researchers whose time we're still paying for, um, then when the universities has to buy them back, public universities, public money, our tax money, and then finally, when we as individuals want to access this research ourselves, which is a really good business model for these publishing houses, right? But not for anyone else. And can I just gripe about science textbooks? You know, if you're a college student, <laughs> how much it costs to buy a book that, you know, should cost maybe $20 and they're paying $100 or more for these things. What a scam. Anyway, I know you're not fixing that problem, <laughs> but I just wanted to gripe for a moment. That's okay. That's great. So tell us about the IR token. Um, you guys are using this as a as an incentive structure and you're using you're doing AI and you have this this validation system that's going on. Can you maybe maybe um, maybe describe this and what's going on with the token? Yeah, so um, briefly about kind of the overall structure of it. So the thing is, though, like there's there's plenty of, of projects out there that are doing kind of Scientific publishing on the blockchain, great, you know, sprinkle a bit of blockchain on it. Three years ago, it was sprinkle a bit of AI on it and we solve it, right? But you're going to have a massive chicken and egg problem in, in, oh. in the blockchain, you know, space as in, in anywhere else. You're going to sprinkle some AI and some blockchain on it. Exactly. And that's going to fix the problem. <laughs> no, but, but so basically the core of the economy of this community is not the publication of the research itself, but it is this, this underlying knowledge validation engine or this, uh, this uh, engine for validating a piece of, of science. And maybe I'll, I'll let Victor take over and talk a little bit about this, this knowledge validation engine and how that will work. Yeah. So the, the idea that we have behind the knowledge validation engine is that we had a lot of complaints for people that uh, when they read a paper and try to implement it, people very uh, often omit certain constraints or certain assumptions, or they just exaggerate a little bit the generalization of certain uh, methods or solutions. And then what happens is that people uh, spent a lot of time actually implementing that uh, article and at the end of the day, it didn't work in their case. So we thought, okay, can we build an engine that actually can uh, uh, mine all those uh, assumptions and constraints and uh, build your report um, that tells you how well the author actually managed to capture and explain all of those assumptions and constraints and build a 
uh, trust score and the reproducibility score that will average to a, a validation score at the end. And people will see these scores and they'll see also the reports and they'll know what might be wrong with this article and uh, how that uh, how, how they can actually implement it later, and if they if that's applicable for their particular uh, particular case. So let, let's talk about the the token yep. that you're using and how the how, how they're going to be used, you know, in the uh, ecosystem, and then how will community people who invest um, expect to see an increase in value. Right. So the so the IR tokens is is what you will earn from any contributions you make. To the community or the tokens, of course, that you can buy in the in the token sale as well. Uh, and um, the tokens, uh, and so that's the, the earning of the tokens. Then the tokens can be spent as well. This is a utility token. Uh, the tokens can be spent as well, uh, both on, you know, Iris AI's commercial services from the get-go, uh, on the core knowledge validation engine, and as well on third-party applications. And we can get back to that in a little while. Um, this is going to be an open open knowledge validation engine with a range of use cases beyond kind of core scientific knowledge. Um, and basically these, this business model where you can pay IO tokens to access the knowledge validation and get that report either directly or through a third party, that is how uh, basically fiat currency or other cryptocurrencies will flow into the community uh, that will be paid directly to the financial institution um, in, a, in an IR pool. And once that pool fills up, then those will either be burned or redistributed uh, to the network. We'll, we'll start with the burning. We might do some redistribution later. Um, and, and that is how we, we uh, believe that the tokens will slowly but surely increase in value. We built in mechanisms to make sure this is not a short-term you know, profit in any way. This is a utility token and the, valid of, the value of the token is very much tied to uh, the, the value of the knowledge validation engine and all of the, the intelligence embedded in this community. All right. So I want to ask about this then. So do you have to be a scientist to be able to participate in this? I mean, is this can what there's a lot of really smart people out there that are doing sort of crowd, you know, research and diving in on different topics and whatnot. Now, do you have to be a scientist and who maybe is this is this targeted for if they're if they're if they don't have to be a scientist? No, you absolutely do not have to be a scientist. I mean, we we love scientists. We love researchers. But really, you know, and I have a, a, a a number of friends as well who are, you know, not necessarily with massive academic backgrounds, but are working every single day on solving really, really hard problems. Um, and, and that is, you know, that is that is good enough. People who are hobbyists, people who just are really into science, uh, people who, you know, follow I fucking love science on uh, on Facebook. And, and you know, it's, it's really, you know, science sounds like it's really, really narrow, but when you think about it, it underlies every single, you know, every single interaction we have with the world about us. Very cool. How far along is your technology right now? I mean, I know you guys have been around since 2015 and been working on this stuff, but our audience likes to know, like, where exactly are you on your roadmap? How far along is the technology today? Is it ready to roll out uh, or air? And then also, like, are you using the funds to sort of fully build out the rest of the platform? How long until you are fully ready to roll? All right. Yeah, that's a very good question. So um, so since uh, 2015, we have developed tools for uh, one of the problems that we're trying to tackle, which is the information overload. So, And that is a baseline for all algorithms that are uh, based on text mining. So we have built tools that are able to extract important information from texts and then to uh, semantically match those and uh, basically provide you with uh, similar documents to your input document or to your problem statement based on uh, the content of the document and not based on keywords or something like that. So um, these are the first two steps uh, in building the knowledge validation engine actually. The next steps that we have planned to develop together with the community are uh, basically hypothesis extraction from uh, scientific uh, documents, uh, trying to mine what the author has in mind when writing this article. What is the problem he tries to solve? What is the solution? What is the evaluation metrics that he uses and so forth? And then the next step is to build a um, graph, like a tree structure, 
of uh, all the hypotheses that are uh, needed for the hypothesis in that article to be proven. Uh, I know that sounds very abstract, <laughs> but uh, uh, that's very important in order to be able to validate the truthfulness or the, the reproducibility of a particular hypothesis. So, uh, so we have the, for the, the base, uh, we know how to start, we, we have uh, already researched and we are writing research in the hypothesis extraction and argument mining field. Uh, but we want to develop this uh, thing with the community, so that was the idea. We want more people to uh, participate. Uh, there will be an economic model for developers and uh, uh, testers as well, and uh, also for people that want to express opinion of uh, how uh, validation should be done in general. So that's why we left this for the community. Yeah, speaking of community, it appears that you are building your community on Telegram. Is that the preferred place for people to engage with you? Uh, Telegram is great, yes. Uh, especially so people in the in the crypto community. Uh, researchers are not so much on Telegram, so we rather find those on Facebook or good old-fashioned email, which is where most of our uh, core researchers are hiding. Very nice. But our Telegram group is a great place to start. Very cool. Let's talk about your team real quick because you are, you know, you are a seasoned team. You've been doing some pretty interesting stuff. And that's one of the key metrics that our audience loves to tune into is like, okay, why are, why is your team exceptional? What makes you guys so great that can be able to conquer something like this? So I'd love to hear about your guys' team. Yeah. What makes you guys so great? Right. Yeah. What's What makes you guys so cool to do this, huh? <laughs> so well, I, I've got pink hair. Let's start there. Uh, <laughs> uh -oh, no, I'm uh -oh. joking. Um, so we uh, <laughs> we're a, we're a team of, of four co-founders. We 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 started out three years ago. So we've been working together for three years. Like I know what Victor is going to complain about. I know when he's going to be upset with me, and I know how to handle that. <laughs> he's not looking at me uh, a little oddly from the side here. But no, we we know how to do this, you know. And we've been very successful, you know. In the so Iris AI, the company we were. Uh, deemed by Fast Company last year to be one of the top 10 most innovative companies in AI in the world. We were ahead of Pinterest on the list, right behind Google, IBM, and Baidu. So, so we're doing, you know, we, we've kind of proven already that we, that we know this. Um, you know, this is my fifth startup. Uh, Victor's been doing AI research. Our CFO was a, is a former investment banker from 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 London, uh, and our chief marketing officer CMO. She has built massive international communities in the past. So, you know, this is this is not our first rodeo. We we seem to know what we're doing at this point. That sounds scientific to me. It does. <laughs> the uh, pre-sales happening. Uh, is it happening now or in uh, on your uh, your website? I'm not sure if it means it's happening now or it's counting down to when it's happening. No, so we do have a pre-sale going on right now. That is specifically, though, for scientists and researchers, either that have been you know, working in academia and published papers before or that are currently engaged in that. So we specifically want to engage that community first uh, in the pre-sale. So if you're a researcher, student, academic, you're very welcome to join that. Uh, we are also, of course, running our private sale right now. Uh, so anyone who wants, you know, her larger, larger token buyers can also get in touch with us on that. And then we're kicking off the public sale um, in, in early September. Projectire.com, A-I-U-R.com. Of course, all links in the show notes at badco.in forward slash ICO041 is where you'll find that. And if you check it out, you probably will be blinded with science. So uh, Anita, Victor, Project <laughs> Ire team, good luck with your project. And we're back from the outer limits. And it was a good journey. Always a good journey. Fascinating stuff. Mmm, very fascinating. Mm, are you, are you fascinating eating things? Are you eating dinner over there? Mm. No, I actually I didn't. I had I actually ate dinner when we had that one business conversation earlier. We were mm. on the Zoom. We were on the Zoom. We've done, we've spoken a lot today, Mr. Travis Wright, and, and I voted today. You, and you voted. You voted for me, awesome. right? I got a vote in the Missouri primary thing today. Nice. That was always good. You know what? Not electronic vote votes. It Paper. actually was one we had to fill in the fill in the the the, uh, the little line there. Let's fill in the little circle form. Boom, and uh, they have it in this little thing. It reads it, pops it up. You could see a validation of it. You could get a receipt if you like. Love it. They hack way your better pen. than electronic voting machines. Those are so easily manipulated. 
Did, uh, did Russia hack your, your writing utensil? Well, right before I came in, I got a call from Kremlin. He said, Travis, make sure you do not vote for the person Trump like. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the show, everyone. We appreciate it. Make sure you go out there and review us. Subscribe, follow. I know, you know, when you hear that again and again, it's probably like, I know. You, it, you start to not even hear it. But um, if you haven't done that yet, then this is for you. Please do, because it really does matter we'll catch you guys on the next episode bad news is coming your way tomorrow but hopefully it'll be good news and uh stay bad who's bad the Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoin's and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor.